Nopal Queens, three amigas living in Sacramento, California, passionate to support communities of color that intersect with mental health issues. Hello, everybody. We are back. We're so excited to be here. Um, This episode is going to be great. But as always, like we want to just check in with you and then we'll go straight into our episode about grieving and loss and how our different cultures celebrate it but let's check in with la luna first how are you girl oh hey i was not expecting to be first (laughs) um i am here uh waking up drinking some tea um yeah i think uh i think to be transparent like you know we are a mental health podcast um i've actually been having a rough um couple of weeks and um I think emotionally mentally and physically I'm all over the place so um yeah just I think uh still going through like just changes um in myself and then learning stuff growing stuff growing um and then the environments that I'm currently in are are very interesting um so I'm trying to navigate um that environment at work and giving myself permission to like decide, is this the right fit for me? And I'm kind of leaning towards maybe not. So, um, just in like career wise, um, it's been rough, but I think eventually, um, with the support of like my partner and and all my great friends, I think eventually things will fall into place and, um, I'll kind of find myself in a better direction so overall i think i'm hanging in there but yeah so that's my finding the right job kids hard yeah yeah totally hear that or you feel like you found it and then a few weeks in you're like oh interesting yeah (laughs) well you just have to deal with so many things like you know and yesterday's yesterday i legit left crying because i was ambushed by three white co-workers and cornered in my office so you can imagine that was intense yes um but i am proud of myself because i did speak up yeah and i did take time to educate them on um you know, being mindful on how you walk into a room, mm-hmm. especially when you're coming in with high energy and high needs and then you ambush an individual and, you know, um, kind of shedding some clarity on like, what do you expect that person's going to react? Of course, I was frazzled. Of mm-hmm. course, I was cut off guard. Yeah. Of course, I was, Definitely. you know, ha- having some physical symptoms because, you know, I wasn't expecting this. I was going on about my day waiting to meet my students for orientation and then boom. These people mm-hmm. just come in with their own agenda. So I did speak up. So we'll see how that went. But I will say that I do have an amazing, amazing supervisor. Um, it's extremely supportive and validating. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why I continue to go back because I do. My team is good. The rest of the mm-hmm. departments, that's a whole nother story. But at least my department is good. Yeah. At least that's you have good. a support system there. Exactly. Yeah. Until you navigate like what's next step. Yeah. Right? yeah. In the work world, you get paired with people you would never normally meet in public or, you know, no. socially. And yet you have to be coworkers with them. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to just manage through. But yeah, we got you. Thanks. You got your yeah. privilege here. I survived it though. For you sure. are going to survive it. Yeah. Yes, you will. And I'm so <laughs> proud of you for speaking up. Yes. Yeah, thank you. I was that takes a lot of strength. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to get fired right now. Pues ni modo. I'm going to speak <laughs> up. But oh, you know what? You have your license. You can go wherever you want. Exactly. That's true. And your values. No yeah. one can values. take that away. And you have great quality. So mm-hmm. that's true. They're lost. Yeah. And I think speaking up was more in the best interest of my students. We have a lot of students that are refugees or are on asylum or on here undocumented that have experienced a lot of trauma. 
So I'm like, if this is how you're reacting to staff, how are you treating our students? Mm -hmm. And so I took a time to, uh, to let them know, like, if this is how you're approaching students, you are re potentially re-triggering and re-traumatizing our students, like to come into mm -hmm. to a room that way without having any context, it's mm -hmm. just not okay. Right. Um, so I'm like, yeah, I'm educated and I'm smart and you bet your ass I'm going to call you out and I'm going to educate you. And if you don't like it, pues, Mm -hmm. modo. like I'm tired of it. I trust your judgment. You would only speak up on things that truly warrant that tension or that uncomfortableness. Yeah. And it was really to create a corrective experience in a yeah. professional setting to continue to work together. So yeah. there was no disrespect. It right. was just, Hey, I'm only speaking on my perspective. Right. Um, so let's figure out how to move forward. And I feel like yeah. that's what adults should do, right? Yeah. Healthy communication. Yeah. And healthy boundaries. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come be my coworker. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, my my fellow case manager, she's amazing. <laughs> Not to say no one no, is, we'll but, see. but I'm saying no, one sure. more awesome person we could use. You. I know. <laughs> it's funny. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, I'm done. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> Next person. <laughs> well, I think it was go. a really interesting week. Um, we had a couple of um, learning moments for some people on our campus around like cultural sensitivity and how to validate a student, what that really looks like and what it really looks like to support someone with a trauma informed approach. And, and you can get so much more done if you, it, just like you were saying, creating that environment. We, cause some of my cases this week just involved that like students needing a really calm environment and their professors may have had high need because of not like clinical programs have high expectations and things like that. And, um, so they expect students almost to be done. They have started done and mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way. Their growth mindset is you have students for a reason. They're still learning. Mm -hmm. So we had some really interesting conversations this week around learning and the growth, like the growth mindset and supporting students. And from that, we were able to get a couple of faculty and students back on the right page, <laughs> but mm -hmm. it was just really interesting to see that, um, trauma informed approaches are still so relevant to talk about. Yeah. Like there's never an end to talk about how important it is to soften your tone, soften your eye gaze, create a validating warm environment so that when mm -hmm. you're giving feedback to someone or correcting a student or maybe like in your case with a coworker, like the tone, the body language, everything matters so that you don't know if the person in front of you is experiencing trauma. And mm -hmm. some of our students were going to back to their trauma like brain, um, even though there was like really no threat, their professors just trying to help them, yeah. right? Get better. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't see it that way because their trauma brain's like, that sounds like a threat. That sounds mm -hmm. like I'm like being, I'm in danger. Yeah, like my character is that is being evaluated, not my work. And I, mm -hmm. you know, we're helping students like you as a person, that's be your business. Your mm -hmm. work, that's your professor's business. And so yeah. helping both sides is pretty interesting. And then we did have a, a case that um, just real similar to like a potential, like someone who's not well and could do something, you know, if we're not watching. Yeah. And it's just a little soon because I'm still figuring out oh. how I feel about what happened to my family when the El Paso shooting happened in August. So having a student who is similar to the like the warning signs is just a little bit triggering Watch. I realized and mm -hmm. so I just asked my the other folks on the threat assessment team to take it on a little bit more and they did so it was really good but I was wondering how I was going to go back to work since I do this work and the very thing happened to yeah. my family and so it did it did intersect as soon as yeah. now I mean I just got back so 
that was that was a little bit hard. And then my grandmother's surgery and a birthday were yesterday. Mm. Okay. So it was just like I was barely holding it together. I was yeah. like I was in a meeting and I stepped out once because I just it nothing in there was they were talking about nothing that had to do with anything about me. Yeah. And yet I just but my mind was on her. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I just felt mad, I guess. Well, today's a perfect <laughs> time yeah. to talk about grief, but just like anger really yesterday. But why my grandmother on her 80th birthday has to deal with getting shrapnel taken out of her arm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's not right. So I had a really interesting week, a lot of learning, a lot. Of, but, you know, as you like have insight and reflection and, and yeah. then I knew I was going to have a good weekend, I made sure I have plans set up for myself. Yes. It did just give me that balance. So that's where I'm at this week, yeah. just managing a lot of different yeah. dynamics for others and myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it, when you saw, like, I don't, uh, I knew, uh, like, how was I going to do this work? And it sounds like, um, like, I'm really proud of you because you are, you are navigating it. So, like, you knew your limits and you're like, I need my team to step up on this case and mm-hmm. support me with it because you knew, like, this is a little much for me. Mm-hmm. And and so you did not only the professional thing, but the right thing for yourself and to say, right. hey, I'm still here, but I need that support. Mm-hmm. And then giving yourself permission to take a break and, like, walk out of a meeting and just breathe. You know, and just tell yourself, like, kind of check in with yourself, like, hey, you're okay. Or, like, just acknowledging that you weren't feeling the best and right. allowing yourself to feel that instead of, you know, what I feel like a lot of Americans try to do is like tissue push and pretend like, Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But mm-hmm. like, no, we don't need to be fine all the time. And we do need to know when we're not fine and give our bodies and our minds and ourselves that moment to just be in that feeling. And then yeah. whatever that is, and then say, okay, like I can walk. Back I like in. that term tissue push. <laughs> well, we do. It's like, yeah, oh, like here, take these tissues. Yeah, like oh, wipe it all away. Because they want to run. Stop. As soon yeah. as someone cries, someone's looking for tissues. And yeah. it's like, but you're basically sending a message like, please stop having this emotion. It's not mm-hmm. intentional. It's not like mm-hmm. people really think that, but that's yeah. what happens. Right. Because we don't know how to feel and just be with that feeling. Right. And Unless then, it's yeah. like a person with mascara, and then I do, I'm like, oh, okay, here, catch your mascara yeah. a little bit. No? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Like, girl, Others, look my like students, I'm like, I know you're crying, but if you, you have makeup, girl, your I makeup will is offer. On. Yeah, yeah, like, girl, you are one. a mess right now. Put <laughs> this, only clean this that. up, right? Just you want for the some makeup. Q-tips too? <laughs> Got you. <laughs> I should just like, and let me disclose: this tissue is for your mascara. Yeah, but you Not, are free to cry. Yeah, I almost feel like I want to have a mirror in my office and just be like, okay, girl, before you leave this counseling session, just look your face real quick yeah. i don't want you <laughs> just walk out yeah right? and like oh maybe oh, clean yourself up a little bit here's some water or like yeah. here's the bathroom yeah <laughs> no kidding go. yeah. good looking out good looking yeah. out how about you la rosa how are you um i'm okay i feel like this week i was like us telling la luna earlier that was like very like trauma heavy at work uh i had like some students be assaulted in like different manners mm. over the weekend so just hearing that from them this week i was just like oh shoot mm-hmm. um so just being with them in that moment and just like just letting them process that was very like hard mm-hmm. but also healing and it was also like honoring to see that like witness that and they're like i haven't told anyone yet and i'm just like oh okay um and they're like and i don't know what to do or like i can't really process it like i'm don't really remember what happened and i'm just like oh shoot so like a lot of different like trauma stuff has happened this week to my students and it's also stressful because it's like midterms time right so it's just a lot of high stress so then i've like caught myself just 
like feeling like down and sad and mm. just like having to be mindful. I'm like, am I sad? Like, because something is happening in my life or is it because like, I feel sad sometimes for my students mm-hmm. or just like ab- you absorb a little bit of it and just being right. mindful of like, okay, I need to take care of myself. Um, just cause yeah, cause all of that stuff gets absorbed in our body and our mm-hmm. tissues and then just like our own generational traumas, like in our tissues, like issues in our tissues. Yes. So, yes. so I'm like, something is awakened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so trying to take care of myself. So, yeah. um, but I know that's what it is on a ca- college campus. I think I was telling my partner yesterday or I was telling, I was talking to somebody that like now that the college oh I think I was telling my mom that now that like I'm working with this young adult population Mm -hmm. it's like they're able to put words to their trauma experiences as opposed to when I was younger like they would experience Mm -hmm. trauma but wouldn't really know how to process it now Mm -hmm. but now we're like in that full processing mode so it's just like a lot more that's what I was gonna say like trauma but articulate yeah like articulate articulate trauma like you will definitely get the picture yeah Yeah. and it's when we're like children it's almost like there's a little authority there like oh let me help you name that Mm -hmm. like you know that's hyper vigilant or like well we would i wouldn't use yeah. a big word like that but we kind of take it on and it's mm-hmm. okay because we're educating yeah. but when it's an adult telling us we're like whoa yeah. i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah like oh you They're did like, here the you words. go yeah here's everything even mo- more than you wanted to know exactly yeah it's a different dynamic when you're mm-hmm. definitely working with adults who articulate their trauma yeah 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 so i've been taking care of myself been going to some uh, get togethers with coworkers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Just trying to keep it. Uh, it's like you have to keep it light in this field because, yes. like, we do a lot of like heavy emotional work. So, yes. like, outside of work, I'm like, don't want to watch trauma shows. Don't want to watch yeah. crime. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I just want to chill. Yeah. Definitely, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but today is a little bit of a heavier topic, but also at the same time, like. I feel like Latinx communities also like celebrate and mm-hmm. honor our loved ones that passed away in such a beautiful way that sometimes mm-hmm. it's not as heavy. It's like a, a mixture. It's very dialectical. It's yes. a lot of emotions at the same time. Um, but we thought that since Dia de los Muertos, Dia de los Difuntos, and Dia mm-hmm. de los Niños are coming up mm-hmm. to kind of just talk about our own experiences and how our culture celebrates our loved ones that have passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, um, also, just a side note, you might hear our little furry friends in the background. Mm-hmm. They are in our room today because we love them. And yes. this um, is a family friendly podcast. Yes. <laughs> so they're sniffing around. They're looking for stuff. There's nothing in here for them. But no. But Our you might hear that. Children are wondering why we're ignoring them <laughs> and talking into these weird yes. puppy black things. <laughs> yeah, they're like, what, what are, are our doing? parents doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, today we're going to just talk b- about bereavement and then when maybe bereavement is not bereavement anymore and it's depression mm-hmm. or adjustment yeah. um, issues and also just what the stages of grief look like. Um, and then maybe some tips and strategies for how we can cope better with grief and loss. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's a jam packed episode. I hope mm-hmm. you guys enjoy it. Um, but yeah, some of our listeners might not know um, some of 
the nopal queens are mexicanas and mm-hmm. the, i am salvadoreña and a little bit of guatemalteca uh, um so we like celebrate our loved ones very similarly but also differently at the yes. same time so i know um Dia de los Muertos is really big in the U.S. and just in with Mexico. the movie of Coco. Yeah. Oh yes, right, <laughs> right, right. It's going to yeah. be big yeah. here I because think of it's Coco now because of of Coco. But I remember growing up, um, it wasn't as yeah. big here in the United States. Yeah. But I think I wouldn't necessarily say. I think for me personally, maybe this is biased. I think it's not as big here. For Latinos, I think it's bigger for other cultures that want to mm. take it and, and utilize it. It, it actually it. started with the Aztecs. They would have a festival um, in honor of a god who was in charge of like looking over the dead and festival. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's actually really big in South and Central Mexico. Mm-hmm. Really not brought to North Mexico f- until like almost 19th century, really mm-hmm. soon, like yeah. really recent. So yeah, like I, my family were there from Chihuahua, Juarez area and we never celebrated, but we get it. I mean, we know of the tradition. Mm-hmm. It just, yeah. you wouldn't see an altar in our house, but we understood the altar mm-hmm. and yeah. the calaveras and um, the Aztec marigold and all of that. But that's, I think a really important too, is the development was pre- Spanish colonization. Mm -hmm. And then when the colonizers came, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, they tried to match it to more like Western pagan, like all Hallows Eve pagan rituals. And then they moved it because it was actually like in another part of the year. I can't remember. And then they moved it over into like the the end of October. October 31st to the Mm -hmm. 2nd of November. So it used to actually be um earlier in the year and they pushed mm-hmm. it back to match with other cultures and all hollows eve and then i don't know where the hallmarky halloween thing came up but mm, capitalism yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then capitalism not related to culture yeah like i <laughs> get so in. irritated at the target when i see that the other those muertos stuff yeah mixed with the halloween stuff i'm mm-hmm. like it's not i get so frustrated I'm like it's not a costume yeah it's not like, a costume uh, yeah. it's not so the same it's actually thing. like it's a religion yeah. or not religious but cultural yeah tradition versus uh-huh. a hallmark holiday and i'm also like kind of irritated with like all of broadway mm-hmm. um because all those little shops in oak park have like altars and stuff like old mm-hmm. um all the little coffee shops and stuff and it's like i don't i don't know like i've been curious to ask them like it feels like a cultural appropriation yeah, yeah. i want to go in there and i'm like excuse me are you mexicana yeah. <laughs> right so, like, if not yeah, yeah. but i think they feel like they're being like i don't know maybe like supporting the community or they, yeah. and they've gotten made their own altars and stuff. There's a fine line between ally and bandwagon. Yeah. And I feel like it's mostly bandwagon in that strip. Yeah, and I never know. Right. It's That's like, why, I, like I literally know. support none of those businesses except Only for like, Miel. Miel is, she's Mexicana. Oh, okay. Maybe her, mm-hmm. but I do support fixins cause they're, um, uh, black owned. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll support you. And I don't know the rest of the places yet. So we'll see. Yeah, I've been seeing altars everywhere, not in context for Latino culture, but, yeah. you know, I'll go with it because I'm not going to fight all those battles. Yeah, I can't. I can't. <laughs> but maybe but let's talk about how our families yes. celebrate it. Ooh, we went we off know. on the social justice train. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it back to the station. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that was just our disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> beep, beep. Beep, beep. Like, Don't take it from us. <laughs> um, but yeah. do you guys want to go first and then I'll. 
Um, no, let's have you go first. Yes. Let's have the Salvadorian traditions and stuff go first. Okay. So, according to the knowledge of my mother, <laughs> who was born in El Salvador, um, so she was telling me that like November 1st is Dia de los Niños mm-hmm. and the, um, November 2nd for us is Dia de los Difuntos. Mm-hmm. So, um, just like I think in Mexico, like the that first day is for the children mm-hmm. that have passed by. Mm-hmm. And then the second day is for the adults that have passed by. Um, but for us, she said for Dia de los Difuntos, um, what people do is like they buy like the most beautiful flowers they can go. Mm-hmm. And they have like a fiesta in the cemeteries. And then they like make crowns out of flowers and they put them on all the graves mm-hmm. and they just just go there um and just like have a good time with family, like celebrating mm-hmm. time with family, enjoying family. Um, she says that at home they'll make different like preserves, like special food, like pan de muerto mm-hmm. and different stuff. And then they'll just enjoy it themselves and um, just eat it themselves. Uh, she did wow. say um, that they leave out a cup of water with a candle next to it oh. to... Um, for the children and for the adults because mm-hmm. um, they think that like, okay, the light's going to guide them to the home and then once they get here, they can drink some water. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I think it's like not as much as like calaveras or different things, um, but they do celebrate the dead in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, just just flowers and spending time That's together beautiful. and honoring them. Flowers and bakery items. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I would feel so special. I would come visit. Yeah, yeah. and then she's telling me that like like traditions after like someone has died, like if the person is like someone very like close to you, mm-hmm. that you'll wear black for the whole um, year, and that mm-hmm. kind of means that like I'm still sad, I'm still mourning. She said then they'll like transition to like white mm-hmm. to say like I'm in peace. Um, but someone still yeah. like has passed away for me. Right. So they will do that. Um, I feel like she's telling me a lot of things I was trying to absorb. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that like here in, well, we've been here in California, like we don't, because all the cemeteries of our loved ones are in El Salvador. Mm-hmm. So we never really got to like experience mm-hmm. that. But I know my parents always send home, or send El Salvador money so they can like buy flowers for their loved ones. Like my mom's, um, <laughs> our mom's, uh, my grandma's grave. Mm-hmm. Like she always sends money so they can get her a crown and flowers. And I remember when we went to Aww. El Salvador a few years ago, like mm-hmm. those flowers still stay there. Like people don't take the flowers out. So you'll just see like old dried mm-hmm. up flowers on there, like just piles of flowers. So mm-hmm. I've seen pictures. It's very beautiful. But, um, yeah, we don't do as many, like, altars or Mm -hmm. it's just a different way of celebrating it. But you take such delicate care of Mm -hmm. people who've passed away. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it's just really beautiful and meaningful. Yeah, and she says, like, one year after the person's date of death, they, like, all come together and have, like, a family party and Mm -hmm. just honor them. Um, So, yeah, we, I think it's like a sad time but it also brings the family together it's it's like very collectivistic like we are feeling your pain together yeah we are healing together um you kind of take care of it of each other throughout that time yeah 
Yeah, I think about the time that we have on Earth, Latino families, we definitely just so cherish, right? Like, tíos, tías, your primos, comadres. Like, we have yeah. these, you know, names for each other. And mm-hmm. we've, your tío Lalo and, and Lencho. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. like we've got nicknames. Mm-hmm. And we're just so, like, cariñoso with each other. Yeah. So it means a lot. So when people pass, we really feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we really do. So... I know they do like studies on how different animals grieve and some animal species, they do feel it like mm-hmm. they'll grieve and others are just like, okay, hey, bye, continue mm-hmm. on with yeah. my, <laughs> with my existence. <laughs> and so I think I feel like that's a little bit of a parallel. Like we care so much about the people when they're alive that yeah we continue caring for, it doesn't end. Like once you're mm-hmm. in our family, you're always in our family. Yeah, like my mom says, like she'll like name like list people of like I need to buy flowers for all these people. I'm like, Aww. who who are they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, how do you, how do you all celebrate? Um, so um, in my family, and then just you know, just a disclaimer, like we're you know sharing. I'm sharing specifically things that I grew up with in my family. Maybe not mm-hmm. speaking on the entire culture, mm-hmm. um, just because everyone is different and people take so different, different adaptations, right? And so. For me specifically growing up, I unfortunately grew up a little bit more removed. So I know like in my Nana's Pueblo, like they were really big on Dia de los Muertos and Dia de los Niños. So it's the same Dia de los Niños is on the first and then on the second is um, for all saints, for all the adults. Um, And in Mexico, um, they have parades on both days um, for the niños and for like just adults and everyone dresses up and then calaveras and there's music and it's like a celebration of life. Um, And then um, in people's homes, like growing up, um, they would make ofrendas, which are the altars. And the ofrendas um, have like the traditional Aztec marigolds, which Mm -hmm. kind of pays homage to the uh, origins of where it came from. Mm -hmm. from for us um and so there's you can do different levels um we also do like the water and the candles so when they find their way um they can have a drink for their long travels um and they decorate them with fruits and Mm -hmm. um marigolds and they do archways and they put the layers of all the loved ones that you've lost so Mm -hmm. their pictures um and then my family was always really big on um putting um their favorite items so traditionally you would put their favorite items so their mm-hmm. favorite drink their favorite foods um i think as you get as i've seen now throughout the years here in u.s culture like you'll see people like put like raiders stuff or sports paraphernalia yeah. and all that um <laughs> because you know the, the generations have changed um and then we also do pan de muerto um and but here in the United States, I was pretty removed from it. We didn't really do that in, in my family growing up. Um, so I didn't really get to experience um, the tradition of creating an altar and putting it yes. up. Yeah. Um, so actually, I think this year is the first year in my personal life that I want to start the tradition for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been talking to my partner and they they are wanting to add their grandparents to mm-hmm. it. So I think we're going to start our own tradition in our That's family. Great. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that. It's yeah. funny because when you're so far removed, thinking about doing an altar now feels a little bit like, oh, why now? But yeah. then it's like, but when, right? If yeah. not now, when? Yeah. So yeah. I'm like in between those. Like, why haven't I done it yeah. so before? But I yeah, think our for me, it's more of retention. Like, I don't want to lose yes, who I am. Absolutely. And I don't want to lose these 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 traditions and these cultures that this culture that... Um, 
like the Spanish took from us. Yes. Like I don't yeah. want, it's almost like, I don't want to let them win. Like I still want to be my culture. Like I still mm-hmm. want to embrace my culture. And yes, I'm in the United States and I'm not as close to Mexico as I was, mm-hmm. but, um, I wanting, really wanting to preserve some of myself in yes. that and, and maybe feeling like maybe they do come and visit and I'd be really excited if my brother came to see me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I really want to put him on the altar this year. So I'm like, it's going to be cool and I hope he comes, but we'll see. Yes. Um, yeah. If not, he knows that he's welcome there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but um, in terms of funeral, like things, so in my Nana's Pueblo, so when my great grandma passed away, um, we do like a vigil. And mm-hmm. so we have her, um, we had her in, in the casket in his open casket and then it was in her house. So mm-hmm. it was in the backyard and, um, there was a bunch of flowers everywhere, like colorful flowers everywhere. And we had like a tent and a bunch of chairs. So we all sit around and of course there, there's like drinks and food and mm-hmm. everyone's talking and laughing. And then they have moments of grief where they cry and they take turns visiting the, um, uh, the coffin and kind of talking to her. And then we put, we put little things inside of her casket. There were her favorite things that she gets to go with. Mm-hmm. And then from there we do like a parade kind of not a parade, but we, um, sing and, um, we carry her to the church because in Pueblos, everything's really close. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so we carry her to the church um, and then we know we do the mass, um, because my family's mm-hmm. Catholic. So we did la misa, um, you know, to the speedy and to lay her body to rest. And then from there, um, uh, we do like another little parade, but we, um, all walk in unison to the, um, to the grave, mm-hmm. to the grave, to the cemetery. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, uh, she, um, when we put her in her grave, so the way my grandparents have is we have like a little tiny, um, uh, like gate. So her, mm-hmm. their, um, their graves are protected by like a gate, um, like a little tiny, it looks like a little casita. Um, and so it, de- it depends on also uh, another fun, uh, interesting thing about, um, cemeteries. It's also, you can tell class because mm-hmm. people that can afford it have very like elaborate. intricate, yeah. elaborate, yeah. and you can tell people that maybe don't have money they they just have like a wooden cross in the ground and so it's it's still very classist and that that was interesting so when we put her down everyone took turns putting dirt inside of the um in um inside of the coffin so in in my family's pueblo you do everything yourself there is no like groundsman or groundskeeper Mm -hmm. great or whatever so we did everything ourselves so we you know all we all of the cousins or the uncles and the men they put her into the ground and then everyone took turns putting dirt over it and then um it was covered covered in flowers Mm. it was actually really beautiful beautiful. and i was okay Mm -hmm. i was okay because i i was privileged enough to have spent the majority of my life i lost my grand great grandma when i was 20 23 24 so i i got her my whole life so i was okay and i was like she deserves to go my grandpa's waiting for her so um and so yeah so there's a lot of singing and then during the other los muertos everyone goes and takes pan de muerto and food Mm -hmm. and they have like a kind of like a a party at the Mm -hmm. cemetery and it's Mm -hmm. lit up and it's pretty and for maybe those who like the latinx folks who are a couple generations away do you want to talk about pan de muerto sure do you want yeah you can go first um it's probably similar i'm not really sure how to describe it i've never made it before have you ever made um, it before 
So it basically just looks like a giant like concha kind of, but it, mm-hmm. it's not a concha. It's a shape of a concha. And then on top, it kind of has like a, it kind of looks like a cross, but, or like, I don't know, it's going to sound weird, but it's like giant like bread worms. I don't know. Like they go across it. Mm-hmm. So it has a very interesting shape, um, but I'm not sure really, I think where it originated from, like why that bun? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. We'll have to Google it, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I think for me, I grow up as much eating it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so like my grandma would buy it every once in a while, but I'm like, I don't know why that shape. I mean, any any of our breads are sometimes funny. Like, yeah. some of them are named funny. Like, there's one that's like ojo de buey, el, and like there or el puerquito. Like, I don't know, yeah. el elote. So yeah. I'm not sure. Like, why why that name? And my partner's like the I had pan dulce. And it made me sad. It looked so sweet, and I bit into it. And it's not that sweet. And Aww. I was like, oh dip it in your coffee that'd be good or yeah. hot chocolate yeah <laughs> yeah it's funny yeah i think also like my parents came here as teenagers so then mm-hmm. like when they like think back they're like huh what like like what kind of teenager remembers all the stuff yeah. that like happens oh, yes, to them exactly. in El Salvador? so unfortunately like my grandma died when i was in kindergarten oh. and then um oh that's oh, one of our little fur furry babies friends. are yeah. playing around um <laughs> And then, yeah, like I didn't grow up around my grandparents. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the cultura is like through my like my parents' stories or mm-hmm. my uncle's stories like that. But yeah. they all came here very young or like right. under 20. So it's just like what their experience was as right. teenagers. And, and you think about like assimilation and how there was safety in that at some, when they first came over. Like mm-hmm. a lot of our families, the game was to be safe and to fit in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that meant just kind of assimilating into American culture mm-hmm. where it's mostly Halloween that's celebrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's mostly in like a kids go trick or treating. And in fact, like Christian, a lot of Christians don't even agree with it because they, yeah. they feel like it could be interpreted as like um, like worshiping the devil yeah, or, or mm-hmm. evil. or Yeah. So there's even like within American culture, we're not even all on the same page about Halloween. No. So I think people are like, I'm just going to do this because everyone's doing it. I'm not even sure yeah. why. <laughs> Thank gosh yeah. we got to celebrate Halloween. I would have hated life if I couldn't. I liked it. Yeah, I it did was stuff, fun. But I, I had honor. to dress up as a little Angelita and hand out candy. My parents didn't right. like I was going to say, we grew up in church, so I know the sentiment around yeah. it, but my family I, would go rogue I would say they celebrate. were a little bit more lax yeah because we grew up in catholic but my grandma was okay with us going and celebrating but you know we still had the mexican spin on halloween my mother would sew us our costumes like this was not a hallmark this was a family thing like yeah i'm gonna sew you your costume i think i was like an m&m one year and like my mom had a great i mean i loved it though i'm not gonna that was amazing but we still had this like little family touch to it like yeah my mom said no trick or totally handle the candy like they would let us go to same treat, but oh yeah they definitely my dad loved it because my dad loved scaring the shit out of us like <laughs> and my dad like no 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 and then we'd go and someone would jump out you can hear my dad in the back ha, 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 like just oh, like funny. losing it because he knew he was torturing his kids yes like because his kids torture him loved scaring kids yeah my dad loved it that's funny and i remember we, my cousins and i we used to hide our candy okay we need to hide our candy because nana's mm-hmm. gonna go through and she's gonna take half of it because my grandma would take anything that was opened anything that was homemade because mm-hmm. she was scared there was like needles mm-hmm. or drugs yeah. in it but we were yes both. that's right they would we totally didn't care like, i'd open it yeah 
Yeah, we, there we, was we, definitely that Mexican. Well, for us, Mexican element of your parents are all involved in your hollow. We, we, we knew. Your costume, we knew. Going we had to candy. get on the table and we had to sit on separate sides yeah. and dump our candy out. And then my grandma would go to each bag and go through it and yep. take out. Oh my god, we yeah. used to get so mad. And we have to split up because we didn't want our candy mixing because I'm like, that's my candy. Right. Go sit on the other <laughs> side of the living room. <laughs> yeah. Funny. But yeah, in terms of bereavement, like pictures are really important to my family. So mm-hmm. we have pictures up everywhere. Pictures are just mm-hmm. our thing. Yeah. So I do understand like when we put like there's pictures on the ofrendos that yeah. that totally speaks to me. We do that unofficially, I think, in our houses. And I also got to spend time with um, another Mexican family here in the area who I was really close with for like 10 years. And when the grandmother died in the family, she was like the matriarch. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was there for those days leading up to her passing. And um, she was in her home. Her daughter takes care of her and people were there visiting. And then when she passed, it followed by nine days of mourning. Mm-hmm. So we would all go into the home. This family, this is how they practiced it. But we'd all go to the house every day for nine days with food. Mm-hmm. And there's different people. You know, some people were retired. Some people weren't. So this was like an all day thing, like in and out, open door like a revolving door. So people would come and buy and bring food. So every day after work, I'd bring something and we would just sit with this person whose mother died, who she was her caretaker. Mm -hmm. And then the end of the nine days, we all fellow shipped and did all that. And then she was like, okay, get out of my house now. Yeah. And it was just Uh, nice because I think that tradition was more to take care of the family who members surviving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially in that situation where you're single person taking care of your part, your, your part, um, parent, yeah. Your parent dies. Now you're completely alone. Well, you have your family, but you are alone yeah. in this house. Mm-hmm. And it could be scary or it could be just like lonely and sad mm-hmm. and depressing. So I think filling that house with all that food and people and the children running yes. around, it was just like really beautiful. And and then our family too, we we definitely come together. It's, um, so anytime there's someone who's passed away, it's like a... It's like a um, tradition that we share everyone's texting there's, i don't even know how to explain it. there's like a flurry of text and everyone's like today's the um the death the anniversary of so-and-so and so we're all texting and reminding mm-hmm. each other and it's like mm-hmm. a thing yeah. Okay. yeah definitely so we that does not get lost on us every yeah. time there's a death anniversary there's like a flurry of text going around everyone's reminding everybody yeah. and then we're all sending messages directly to like the parents or the partner mm-hmm. or the person impacted so nice. we certainly pay attention to the death anniversary and have pictures up but I think we've been pretty far removed from the ofrenda tradition but I would love to bring that back because I've had a lot of people who I still like have their like memorial um, brochures or little trinkets or pictures of them Mm -hmm. you know things that I just unofficially kind of honor throughout the Mm -hmm. year but if I could have like this folded into a tradition I've also been thinking about doing see, something. Yeah. yeah. You can always come and see how I do mine. Yeah. Well, these are all like really great healthy ways yes. that we honor the dead and culturally. Yeah. Um, but we wanted to also move into just in general, when you lose someone, the mm-hmm. stages of grief that you could go through. Mm-hmm. And we want to just briefly talk about those and mm-hmm. what it looks like and how you know you might be tipping over into like post-bereavement, more adjustment to disordered depression type of symptoms. Um, But the five stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe we can start with anger. 
Yeah. No, wait, denial. Denial. Well, I yeah. feel like everyone <laughs> who experienced death kind of can start on any of those. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right away. It's not like this is like the cycle you go through. You can like people respond differently. Mm-hmm. But Definitely. these is like stages that people we see that people kind of cycle through. Yeah. So we're going to go through them, but this is not the order they're experienced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think denial, uh, it's kind of part of that like initial shock. You're just like, yes, no, absolutely. No, it, it didn't, didn't happen. happen. Like Correct. this isn't true. This isn't yeah. life. This isn't, it's this like your brain's reality. helping you cope with the shock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then I feel like bargaining is when you start saying, well, what if I would have called them sooner? What if I would have helped them? Or what about it if I would have noticed? Mm-hmm. Or what if they wouldn't have gone to work that day, right? Like if it was yeah. a car accident or someone took their life. or right. I, I think I went through bargaining too. I'm like, if yeah. only I would have helped them. Or, you know, so I think that's just kind of you're talking yourself into other scenarios. But mm-hmm. they're not really scenarios that you could have really done anything about. Right. Uh, because it's not like this was anticipated. Right. You're trying to figure out your part in preventing. In, 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 yeah. Right. To cope because mm-hmm. you don't, because the helplessness yeah. can be so overwhelming. Yeah. Your brain tries to find some way to be like, well, if the, you know, planning something yeah. if this had happened. Right. Yeah. And then there's also, um, like I'm going to talk about anger, uh, you know, with, with anger, it's like whether the person passed away from cancer or suicide or unexpected, there's going to be anger somewhere in that. So each anger type is just unique to the circumstance. Like I know like a lot of folks whose parents or family members have passed away from cancer get really angry at that, right? Like why the fuck does that happen yeah. to someone's body? Like what could I have done? They were so healthy. What the heck? Like yeah. it's just so help that helplessness makes you yeah. so angry. Like it's not fair. Not yeah. fair. It's not fair versus like I know in my instance with, um, my grandparents being involved in the El Paso shooting, the Walmart shooting, I'm angry at the 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 social injustice around it. Like, how does this person not freaking know we're not invading? And why would the, the fuck would he go and take a gun to Walmart? Like, yeah. I'm yeah. angry most of the time right now. But, yeah, you know, the anger can just be really unique to the circumstance. And yeah. it's usually centered around like why did that happen that's yeah. not fair and i think it could also be anger at yourself too like yeah, if it's suicide definitely. you're angry maybe at yourself how did i not see it how did i not capture it mm-hmm. how did i not know right so yes. like maybe a little bit of anger mixed with like maybe like shame or guilt like right. feeling like mm-hmm. i i could have prevented it and yeah. i didn't and we really couldn't but. anger is really healthy because say like you know for people who've members passed away from an injustice or something or children you should be angry because that shouldn't yeah. have happened. Some things are not normal. They're abnormal. So yeah. the anger could be internally focused or it could be just Externally. like the circumstance. You should be. It's healthy for us to be angry, angry at something. Yeah. Like I know when the Sandy Hook thing happened, I was like, I'm angry because no children should go to school yeah. and have to be exposed to, you know, to gun violence or something. Yeah. But um, and then suicide. I feel like sometimes I've heard clients say they go back and forth like, they can also be angry at the person who died by suicide, mm-hmm. but then they get it and they empathize. So th- there's also this like ambivalence part, around yeah. it, but just and that's really important. I like to tell my clients that's because each of these stages is just that it's a stage. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not a permanent state. Yeah. You're angry today, but you are going to be so sad for them tomorrow. Yeah. and love them. But then you're going to be like, is there something I could have done? Yeah. You're going to go yeah. through those. And I want to say like, I feel like acceptance is more of like, you found the skills to cope. Oh, like yes. acceptance is you're like, okay, I'm in this space now. I felt what I needed to feel. I have these coping skills now. Right. It doesn't mean we have to accept that, you know, 
that the injustice happened or, you know, Mm -hmm. like we don't have to be okay with it, but you're in a space where you're, your outlook is a little bit better for you and you're able to cope with it and you're able to keep moving. Right. So whatever that looks like for you, because everybody's way of coping and accepting whatever it is that they're experiencing is different for each person. And the big question is always, does grief go away? How long does this last? Mm -hmm. And the answer is it does not go away. It gets easier over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it it can last. It it morphs over time. It morphs, totally morphs. And it can last for as long as you need to process through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think sadness and depression is pretty normal when you're grieving. Mm-hmm. So um, people are like, they're like, why do I still feel this way? And it's yeah. just like, that's someone that you loved. You had an intimate, right. um, connective relationship and we're beings of connection and of relationships. So of course it's going to hurt for a long time. Right. Um, I think for us, it's just knowing when like the symptoms start to increase or Mm -hmm, become more severe than we're like, um, like when does your bereavement morph into more of adjustment with depressive symptoms Mm -hmm. or depression? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where like we support people with being mindful and aware of Mm -hmm. their symptoms Mm -hmm. and like helping them cope because if it, we don't like attend to it it could definitely change into that so maybe we can do maybe shed a little bit of light of adjustment disorder Mm -hmm. and then how it turns into depression or how it could be in a little bit Mm -hmm. more serious so so typically people um experience um adjustment disorder um typically um it's you know death of a loved one or Mm -hmm. a divorce or major life transition illness or you know health related issues um you know moving to a different place um unexpected like catastrophes um and so some of the things that someone might experience when they are experiencing adjustment disorders you know, um, high stress, feelings of sad or hopelessness. So physical symptoms can also occur. So maybe you're having body aches or headaches or you're fatigued or you kind of feel disoriented. Um, and that could be signs that you are experiencing, you know, triggers that the things that you went through cause significant amount of stress to where they now are impacting your daily like functioning. Right. Um, and so triggers, um, you know, for stress can impact you at, home, um, you know, family problems or conflicts or just how you, um, function at work for, for teenagers or school age children, how they're functioning at school, if they're dysregulated, Mm -hmm. if they're disruptive, if they're unfocused or even adults, if you're, you know, not able to focus and Mm -hmm. be in that environment, then, you know, that's a sign that maybe your body's uh, under a lot right. of um, stress. Yeah, because usually with acute bereavement, there's a short period of time, maybe up to eight weeks, that you're just like, yeah, it's probably normal you're not getting out of bed. Mm-hmm. It's probably normal you don't want to eat, or it's probably mm-hmm. normal you're overeating. That's bereavement. Yes. Yeah. But now it's been six months and you still haven't gone back to where you lost your job. Mm-hmm. You are so despondent or, you know, numb that your friends have slowly trickled away. Yeah. Or you picked you up know, unhealthy habits you like you're drinking a lot. Yeah. Or you're utilizing drugs. drugs. Yeah. Absolutely. And then when it's it passed like that six month mark, then you're like, okay, maybe it's mm-hmm. this depression Definitely. now. So if you're still feeling lack of energy, you're still feeling lonely and sad, difficulty sleeping, that's oversleeping, impaired relationship, yeah, yeah, like your brain chemistry didn't bounce back to its formal or you know former functioning, yeah, yeah, like you're not really producing that dopamine anymore, or yeah, yeah. or you're feeling like 
um, like bad about yourself, negative thoughts about yourself, feeling uh, worthless, or even having thoughts of suicide, then you're just like, okay, things have like moved into a different direction. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think for the, yeah, giving yourself like at least eight weeks to feel all the bereavement feelings, they mm-hmm. really mirror depression, but they're not. So you can't simultaneously diagnose someone with depression and bereavement. Mm-hmm. It's one or the other. Um, and I do remember like the first few days after I found out my grandfather died, I couldn't eat anything. Like I just, nothing was worth, you know, you don't want to enjoy anything. Yeah. <coughs> so it was like drink water, have some crackers, but sugar wasn't like, I don't know how to explain it. It was like sweets were too good to have mm-hmm. or anything that tasted good was too like, this is not the time We're we're all really br- like grieving and mm-hmm. it almost like the tone expanded, not just in your thoughts, but yeah. And how you wanted to eat and like sleeping, sleeping in wasn't a thing. Like, I don't know. It's like we were not allowed to enjoy life because we were so shocked and mm-hmm. sad for my grandfather that yeah. life was not to be enjoyed right now. It was all on pause. But then after about six weeks, I started to notice like I would picture myself going back to work. I would picture students in front of me. I would picture trying to plan something with my partner. And then I knew I was slowly getting back to me but you're right what you're saying are there la rosa about like when it's now and you are involved in your own grief like for me it's separate like mm-hmm. i'm really grieving my grandfather but my life is pretty stable i don't don't internalize that but that moment you start to have suicidal thoughts right or you start to br- blame yourself or go inside um those are now like internalized depressive symptoms versus mm-hmm. keeping it to just the bereavement i don't yeah. know yeah. So maybe let's move into like what are like resources or coping mechanisms that we can um, encourage our listeners to use or to engage in. Mm-hmm. Mm, I think so, for some people, storytelling helps as being able to have safe spaces to talk about the person that you lost mm-hmm. or to talk about how you're feeling. And I think when we have um, individuals that confide in us in that way, us being cautious to make sure that we're not trying to, um, that we're not using toxic language that sends a message of like, oh, hurry up, get Mm -hmm. over it. So if they're sitting in their emotions, us kind of a couple episodes back, we had talked about like the way that we communicate Mm -hmm. and um, not jumping in to try and save it or figure out what to do, but just being in the moment and listening and, yeah. you know, validating, you know, the beautiful stories that they're sharing or the um, emotion that they're experiencing in that moment and just being a safe person for them to be able to have conversations. Mm-hmm. Cause I think storytelling is healing as well. Absolutely. Like I love mm-hmm. telling stories about the people that I lost that I loved because it's mm-hmm. how I keep them alive. And I think a lot of, cultures that's how they keep loved ones alive is or or present i would say present on our minds and our hearts because we get to share about them and 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 so i think that's important and 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 could be healing yeah i also recommend that you read about grief and bereavement Mm -hmm. and um and then you also just are aware of a if there is connected to trauma of some kind Mm -hmm. and just the bereavement itself could be traumatic but uh, sometimes when you're grieving or and this is just working with clients i've noticed over time is you can tend to develop a sense of hypervigilance where your brain is perceiving threats where there aren't any because you're just ultra sensitive. So yeah. uh, it's really just good to stay away from um, ab- like concrete accusations around things or making assumptions or uh, assuming people are out to get you or 
things like that because your brain, when it's hypervigilant or when it's just like heightened because of this uh, process you're going through, you just tend to be a little bit more sensitive. And so um, try to stay objective. And like I said, a lot of times it's just about like reading about it and -hmm. and just self-reflecting. You might want to journal. You might want to wait a day if you're like that person. I swear they're they're out to get me. I know that they're trying to ruin me for this. Wait a day. It's your brain is just really heightened. So a lot of things feel heightened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So a lot of the bereavement, the way you can cope healthily truly is that cognitive coping and, Mm -hmm. and learning about yourself and and just like pausing and not doing anything rash, not making big decisions, not per- making big purchases, just kind of like waiting until you're feeling a little bit more grounded. Yeah. yeah. I would also say just like reach out, reach out to friends or mm-hmm. family. Like you don't have to suffer in silence. Um, there's different support groups out in the community, usually about grief and loss mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or just being more involved in your community in some way, mm-hmm. just kind of still feeling connected in some way um and i think us like therapists we're also like you can also go to therapy yeah yeah that's always an option as well (laughs) but like we all heal in different ways and sometimes we need different things in different times Mm -hmm. right um yeah your healing will look different from the next person so you're gonna just focus on your unique healing Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I know to close out, we wanted to share just a quick, like a little memory of a loved one that has passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a memory that always comes to mind about my grandma is like when she was always drinking cafe con pan, she would always like give, like give me a little spoon so I could drink her coffee. Mm-hmm. So I'm like a little five year old drinking coffee yeah. and eating bun. <laughs> but it was just like, I don't know. It was just like time with your grandma. It, it, yeah. I don't know. That just always seems very sweet to me. Yeah. I would say I think my most recent one, um, it's just because my brother's birthday was this week. So he's been on my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite was like when we were in high school, we would just sit on my bed and just talk for like hours. And it was typically me talking about like boy problems, <laughs> but he was always really supportive. And he like, he really identified, like he was just really, kind and supportive and funny and uh, like he was almost like a big brother even though I was older um but it just to have that relationship where you just had a good friend like a male Mm -hmm. friend to confide in and that was fun I just I miss those conversations and like I can picture it so like in my head like I can picture everything and remember everything and I almost wish that it was real like that I could go back and relive that moment mm-hmm. but it's still beautiful to have it so vividly in my head I think it's a beautiful memory so I, I do I think that's one of my favorites so far mm-hmm. yeah yeah I have really wonderful memories of my abuelito we grew we were with him a lot growing up but um I just remember there's not like one specific memory for this particular thing, but this tends to stand out to me as his um, love and curiosity for the world. So every time we'd come over, he must have read or seen new things in the news because he'll ask, Mija, ¿y qué es con el cell phone? What is that? Like when cell phones <laughs> came out and then he eventually got one. And when we'd come over, he's like, mira, Mija, how do I, how do I save a picture? Like, yeah. 
people are sending me pictures. I don't know. What do I do with it? Does it just stay there? Does it go away? Like, uh, he just doesn't know. Yeah. He's so cute. But he would be so open. He like, always wanted to learn new things. He He's the one that read, like, National Geographic. So and then he was, like, my, my abuelitos definitely, and I'm sure a lot of people from our generation, set the stage on reuse, reduce, recycle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's my abuelitos. I am sure any of you out there who have yeah. abuelitos, you know what I'm talking about. We've been saving the earth. Oh, man, we have been saving this earth. When we take over, that's really what's going to happen is we're going to recycle. Yeah. We're going to also give lots of hugs and give food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was just really funny because I always remember this one time when he brought out, um, he couldn't just throw away these wine bottles. You oh, know, yeah. like that just, oh, no, you couldn't do that. So he, what he would do is save them. And when people come over, <laughs> he took a like a box wine. And he would take the box wine and fill up the wine Bottles. bottle and then put it on the table oh, for us to pour wine. That's hilarious. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> he was You're like, like, oh, this no is a shame. good brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was so cute. But he was just like oh. a lover of the world, so curious, and then so uh, health con- or That's earth hilarious. conscious. That's awesome. No, I love my grandpa Those are great for that. memories. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yes. listeners, we hope you enjoy this episode. Maybe you can share some memories with us below or not below. <laughs> what am I thinking? We're on in our comments. Media. In our comments. But also we'll be posting stuff this week or the mm-hmm. um, after the episode airs. And we'd love to hear from you, your feedback or any stories of your loved ones. Yeah. Yes. Um, Let's celebrate our loved ones together. Yeah. So follow us on Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter. Us Twitter, uh, leave us a review, and we hope you have a great time listening and Yay. have a great day. Yeah, have a fabulous day. Yes, okay. bye everyone. Bye. Adios. Adios. Bye.